All right, so we're back, and we have fan mail. Woohoo! Our second fan mail. Our and first, this is a legit. It's legit. It's not a former client. <laughs> it's not my mom. It's not, you know. It's not a friend. Uh, so this is from, we'll call him Dave. So Dave says, Hi, Ryan. I just listened to episode nine of your podcast on affairs and infidelity. As someone recently being the perpetrator of infidelity, I have been holding a lot of guilt mm. and lost feelings of identity. I think much of it has to do with my own physical insecurities. This hasn't been the first time, and I'm worried I'm stuck in this cycle. How does one deal with these insecurities and prevent them from holding back future relationships? So I gather that from his email, he maybe has some physical insecurities, doesn't like the way he looks or doesn't feel Mm. good about his appearance. So he's seeking validation from other Other women. And this seems to be a pattern. Where I'm unsure a little bit of is when he says lost feelings of identity. I'm guessing that his desire to not do this mixed with the fact that he's doing it. Must be really hard for him. That must be really tough to deal with. Where he sees himself like an honest, good, kind person. And then yeah. he thinks that this act kind of takes that all away. How, how do That's you reconcile how I would interpret, that? Yeah. yeah, same. So when you have those, things, yeah. it, it, honestly, what we just said about having this kind of disconnect, the opposite of that, connecting those things. So going, if I am this honest person, why and how can I be doing this? And I think he kind of answered his own question there. Well, he doesn't feel good about himself. Hmm. So and then he asked, how can he fix that? Right? How can he fix that? So I would say if he's identified the source of his infidelity and his patterns of, of unfaithful behavior in his relationships, going back, maybe I would recommend even working with somebody. I would too. And thinking and, and working through how do I manifest this insecurity in my behaviors why do I need validation from other people to feel good? Why can't I ask that validation from my partner? Yeah. Right? What, what's blocking me from asking this of the person I am with? Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of work probably on forgiveness of self. Yeah. It's really tough, especially if it's a value you hold dearly. And most people do. I mean, yeah. the vast majority of people who are unfaithful, they struggle Big time. With shame. Guilt, shame. They blame themselves. They beat themselves up. Mm. Their partners beat them up. So it's a really hard thing to process because nobody generally, almost Mm. nobody feels sorry for them. Nobody's exploring the perpetrator going, how does this affect you? How hurt are you? No. How does your shame affect your life? It's like they have to carry the punishment. Yeah. It's like, well, you you did this. You messed up. So you made the bed. You line it. Mm -hmm. Deal with all these things on your own. And people often also feel like they have a shift in the power in their relationship. I have done this wrong, so I'm not allowed to ask for anything. I'm not allowed to express any needs. Or get upset about anything. I'm not allowed to get upset about anything. And so it creates this really hostile dynamic. And if you get stuck in that, it's really tough to recover from. So So that's why you might need to reach out to someone. Yeah. So for Dave, we recommend really do an individual session or two with somebody. See if they're a good fit. And hopefully find somebody who does couples therapy as well so you can bring your partner in. This is something that I would really encourage you to work at as a couple. Hmm. So if you have any follow-up questions, Dave, or uh, you're looking for any referrals in the area, please don't hesitate to reach out and give us a shout, okay? Um, Very happy to help. Today we're going to be talking about identity. So it kind of ties in. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of ties in with what Dave's talking about. We're talking about identity, knowing yourself. Carrie's going to talk to you guys a little bit about how to do that because it's a pretty big thing, isn't it? Well, how do 
how do I know that I already know myself? Like, yeah, like can I'm, I check that check mark? I'm, I'm me. How much? <laughs> how much do I have to know? How about much me? more could I know myself? I've been with li- me my I've whole life. With, <laughs> <laughs> I've been with me for a while now. So you know. Okay, so let's get started. You're listening to What Brings You In, a weekly series featuring psychology talk with therapists Ryan and Carrie. Have something to say? Want your question answered? Visit RyanAnswers.com slash podcast to get in touch. So when we think about knowing ourselves, there's kind of, it's, it's a big thing. So we have to break it down a bit. And for me, it helps to have like a checklist of things. So one of the first things we kind of need to understand about ourselves is what motivates us. Another word for this is also what values do we hold dear, mm-hmm. right? So when we ask ourselves, you can either do this two ways. You can ask yourself, okay, what motivates me in general? So which actions do I do easier? Which actions do I enjoy more? Or you can ask a more broader question, say, um, in my life, when do I feel most myself? Right? So I'm thinking about that right now. Yeah. You know? When do you feel most yourself? When do you feel most comfortable? When do you mm. feel most at, at joy with yourself, most satisfied with yourself? Is it while you're doing a particular job? Is it a hobby? Is it being with family? Is it right? So when do you find this like um, peaceful tranquility within yourself that is probably linked to either your values or your motives? Right. So first thing, figure out what motivates you, what pushes you to do things, which things are easier for you to do in which values those holds is a really important part of ourselves. We need to know um, another part we that another question you can do, like a checkmark list is kind of knowing your biological rhythm. Right. So a lot of us are morning people. A lot of us are night owls. Um do we work around that? Do we incorporate that knowledge into our lives? Um, a lot of some of us can go hungry for a while, and some people cannot go hungry at all. Um, some of us need eight hours of sleep. Some of us need six hours of sleep. Some people yeah. even need five or four. Right. So it depends on your body and what your body needs, and kind of like. Um, so you're talking knowing yourself like both mentally and physically yes. here, right? And before we were talking a little bit. My lived experience, I feel very much kind of like a, a pilot in a machine. Hmm. I feel like I have to learn what fuels make my machine run well. What does my machine respond best to, both physically and mentally? Yeah. Because, I mean, mentally, there are people who are stuck in, in really negative patterns. And it's really easy to do that because you get really comfortable. Like, if you are familiar and you know that, oh, when I'm feeling down, I can just eat these chips. Or, you know, if I'm mm-hmm, feeling down, mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. just have a drink. It becomes a really easy, comfortable, but lazy way out. And it really holds you. So it's just you. really efficient, right? Like, yeah, you know what to do. It's it an works. established pattern. It works. It works for you. Maybe there's some consequences. Like with Dave, mm. he clearly has established this pattern that when, I, when I'm unfaithful, I get validation. But, but then, then I have this awful hangover, yeah. emotionally speaking. Yeah. So he can find a different way to get what he needs and not have the hangover. Yes. That's yes. going to be huge. It's really difficult. People just say, well, stop a behavior. If you're an addict or you, you have someone healthy, you just stop. You, you need something to replace it. Yeah. You, you got to have something to fill the void. Otherwise, eventually you're, you're going to collapse. No, you're going to find another way to yeah. fill the void. So instead of doing a drink, maybe you'll do pot. Instead of doing pot, maybe yeah. you'll do tons of exercise. Maybe. Right. You'll, you'll just change it. Figure something out. You'll just change it. Right. So we have your motivations and you have your like biological clock or rhythm. And then another important thing we have to know it's kind of our weaknesses and our fallibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like a classic interview question. Tell me your three biggest weaknesses and your three biggest you know, strengths. You know what drives me nuts? So I did, before I hire, I usually do somewhere between 40 and 60 interviews. 
So it is a very long process. The amount of people who did the old... My, my perfectionist? My biggest weakness is I am too dedicated. Attention to detail. Like they would take these strengths and flip them and try to make them into a weakness. I'm like, that's such a shitty answer. Yeah. Like that, with me at least, that's a big turnoff. Yeah. I don't like that. I want somebody who is in touch with themselves enough to know this is what I'm actually not good at. Mm-hmm. I have a plan for dealing with it maybe. Like for me, uh, I struggle. One, like you said, your, your sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. My sleep schedule is bananas. I go to bed <laughs> at like four or five in the morning. So that's that's tough for me to be awake during normal. That's why I work 10 to 10. Yeah, normal right? business hours. So like, there's a bunch of weaknesses I have, but I know what they are. Hmm. And I mean, I'm never going to be perfect in those areas. No, and, and I think I, my mom always said a person has three major defects for the day they were born to the day they die. Like we are fallible. We will always make mistakes. So one mm. of mine, for example, is I'm very forgetful. Mm. Um, here with the door sometimes, like the door <laughs> for our office, yeah. in my house with the fridge door. Um, I can leave the fridge door open for hours and then I hear a beep or someone says, Mom, the door, um, I'll leave lights on, I'll forget to buy butter, okay. even though it's the first thing on my list, right? So, But I'm great with stories. If you tell me a story, I will remember the story. Yeah, like when I was talking, I think I only mentioned once ever to you that I'm, I traveled to Costa Rica I'm when I was nine. Great and last with episode, stories. you're like, oh yeah, when you were nine, I went to Costa Rica. <laughs> I was with like, stories. what? Right, so, and that is a weakness. So, and knowing that, it'll probably be when I'm 80, I will keep... I'll try really hard not to do that, but there will be times where I'll probably do that. Of course. So knowing your weaknesses helps you a lot because usually your weaknesses, uh, they will affect you or annoy people around you. And if you don't know that you're doing that, you can get really defensive about them and it can cause a lot of friction. So just know what they are. Own it. And also, I think it's beautiful when someone can love you in those weaknesses. Yeah. Right? So love me with my forgetfulness, right? (laughs) I'm going to be this way. I'm going to try really hard not to. I have several alarms. I have a calendar in my fridge. I have a calendar in my phone. But, But love me with my forgetfulness, right? Yeah, if you own it, it's easy. I think when people are defensive about their weaknesses, it's it's, it makes it really hard hmm. for, to be in a relationship with them. Yeah. But like my big thing is is probably my number one thing, if you ask my wife, is dawdling. Like I'll come in here the other day and she came with me and we were like assembling furniture. And I started looking at art and then I sat down with my phone and I'm like looking for <laughs> art on the wall. And she's like, get to it, get to it. And I'm like, you know, she's got to keep me focused. So if you know your weaknesses, you're not defensive about it and you allow people in. To help you. And you help you. It can make you a lot better as a person. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So know your, and then also know your strengths, mm-hmm. right? So it's also important to know where you are very strong in, what you can do very well, where you feel comfortable. Yeah, right. What doesn't scare you? What actually invigorates you? I think one of the big challenges here is people who are very strong at something. Sometimes to them, it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like other people are not able to do this really easy thing. Even if that's the case, you're good at it. Yeah, you must be. <laughs> that's a you strength. Have to be. Even if, if, if it's just by pure luck that everyone around you just doesn't do it well and you do it right, mm-hmm. that is still a strength because you do it right. Yeah, but, but I mean, especially someone is strong, but maybe they see that they, they have trouble acknowledging, oh, acknowledging. strengths about themselves. Okay, okay. Oh, I, so I they, they would instead be frustrated with others being like, why, don't you, why can't you why do you this? Why can't you do this as well as I can? Yeah, yeah what's wrong true. with you? And then sometimes when you work with these people in therapy, you have to say like, look, you're quite a bit better at this than you think that you are well i think that's when weaknesses come in so when we acknowledge our weaknesses and we truly accept them as accept ourselves as fallible human beings we Mm -hmm. also tend to be more empathetic to others absolutely so as much as as much as i am empathetic and i understand my forgetfulness Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to understand my child's mess i have a daughter who is very messy um 
or my sister's forgetfulness or my sister, whatever, whoever, right? Because if I'm fallible, they're fallible. And if I want to be loved yeah. in my mistakes, so do they. That's that's a great point. So to help people connect with this a little bit, if you are critical of yourself in your head, you're probably as Very critical, critical with, with, others. with others too. Yeah, and when At you, least in your head. Maybe you don't yeah, say you it out loud. You might not verbalize to them, Maybe. but in your head still, that forms a little bit of a, a buffer between you and other people. Mm. Like Carrie's saying, if you can't accept and love your own flaws, you will not you with will other not. people as well. And again, that's another thing that's going to be difficult for you in relationships. Yes, it will. You're going to have a lot of trouble feeling like people don't meet your standards, like nobody's good enough. Maybe even just this constant sense of being disappointed or let down, Yeah. frustrated. Yeah, for sure. For sure, because you expect more than people can give you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last thing is knowing great stories of your life. So we are creatures of narration, right? We have mm-hmm. a narrative in our head of who we are, what we've been through, what we've lived. Um, and there's a great exercise I did while I was in grad school, which is called the timeline. And it's really easy exercise. You grab a piece of paper, you draw a line, and then you start at your earliest recollection, right? Your earliest mo- memory. And the line helps because if it's a happy memory, you do it above the line, right? So we have a horizontal oh, I like that. line. So there's an access hap- for your mood as and well. And intensity too, right? Yeah. So if it's a little happy memory, it's just a little above the horizontal yeah. line. If it's a really big happy memory, it's way up there. And same with low, right? If cool. it's a low memory, if it's both, right? Right. You can have them on both sides. And then mm. you just describe that memory just so that you know where you come from, what you've been through, what you've lived through. Um, what things are important to you. This can even help with the first two questions, right? Well, now I'm going to ask all you guys to, to do that here. I want to take a look and see what's everybody's life looking yeah. like. What's their narrative? It's interesting too, because narratives are subjective and they change over time. There's even whole therapy about narrative therapy, right? You can Absolutely. change your narrative. So that's a big part of, at least what I, I think you probably mm. do the same thing, right? I think every therapist to some degree is a narrative will work in narrative therapy to their their style. Yeah, for what sure. I, what for I sure. mean by that is if I look back, say, for example, when I really, I don't know, struggled at, at math as a kid, mm-hmm. maybe as a kid my narrative is I'm, I'm dumb. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, don't know how mm-hmm. to do this because I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And then as you age, you realize, well, I didn't put much time into this or my parents didn't help me with it. Or where, that wasn't the case. My mom was trying to help me a lot. <laughs> I just genuinely... Or maybe you can... I think what kids think what you just said, right? I'm not good at math, then I'm stupid. Yeah. Maybe as an adult, we can say, I'm not good at math. Yeah, not because I'm stupid. I just didn't not, put yeah, time into it. I'm just, I I'm not good it. at math. Or maybe if you want, I'm stupid in math, but I'm not, you know, that doesn't make me an overall general human stupid being. Stupid person. With, yes, with a stupid yeah, person. Yeah, and that's important too when you think of anything, like if you do something you get in trouble for. Hmm. And there's a something in psychology called internalizing, where it's not just I did a bad thing, I'm it becomes... Bad. I'm a bad person. You take the feeling mm. of that bad thing bad, that is temporary. Yeah. I did it and then it goes away. It's gone. Yeah. I've apologized. I've made amends. But with some people that doesn't happen mm. and they hold it internally and they get this feeling that sticks to them. Oh, it's awful. And it's like, I'm a bad person. When I've done that, that's awful. So subjectively, <laughs> awful. these narratives change. You, yeah. you can heal yourself by revisiting that and going, why did I make these negative interpretations? You first have to myself? know this narrative. Yeah, and it won't feel this way. If you're listening, it won't feel like you've done this. Your, your narrative almost always to the person feels very correct, very accurate. Yes. Especially to people who think, you know, therapy is bullshit or it's not going to work. Most of those people have a very uh, firm sense that the way they perceive things is the only way is the way. And if you don't perceive it that way, so your your problem hmm. something's wrong with you hmm. so what we're talking about is knowing yourself means being aware of how you put a spin on things 
how how you've done this throughout your life and how, how it, it impacts you, you currently, how it impacted you then, right? It's kind of own your life again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a really good exercise. It takes a little time and it sometimes becomes hard because you do have to revisit things that could have been painful sure. or things that were great, but then you're melancholic because you don't have them anymore. Like you're not yeah, a child anymore, nostalgia. right? Nostalgia. Um, but it is a good way because then you see your life. Yeah. You have to wait until... I actually, I think I'm going to do this just because I'm curious. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm trying to imagine mm. in my head, am I going to have more ups and downs? Am I going to be balanced? I, I couldn't say. So I'm going to try this out and I'll yeah. maybe at the beginning of next yeah, episode. So great. So your important great stories. Mm-hmm. Then your great your weaknesses and your strengths, especially weaknesses help us with empathy. So understanding other people. So then that generates better relationships. Knowing your biological rhythms, night owl, morning person, can't go hungry, you know, and then also understand what moves you. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel most at peace, most at joy with yourself? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think this is probably what you're saying, but just to clarify, you're looking for what makes you feel good. What what do you need to operate at a, in a good way? It's, it's actually good makes me a little nervous because it made me feel good to party. And not necessarily would party be, uh, right? right? So it's more of a sense of fulfillment where you feel most alive, most yourself, most mm. um, yeah, that's a good genuine clarification. I would say, just because good is yeah. too big for. Well, I feel great when I'm doing tons yeah. of cocaine. Right? <laughs> yeah, like so then I'm, a, you know, no, it's what makes you most feel like yourself. Yeah, I like that. Another thing that that I was talking about with Carrie earlier is the idea of knowing yourself through your relationship with yourself. Mm. Most people don't consider that they have a relationship with themselves. Oh, we do. We do. And how it works is is super common sense. Think about a relationship with anybody else in your life. Imagine you told them you're going to be somewhere or do something with them, and then you don't follow through. Eventually, they're going to lose respect for you, or they're going to become upset with you, and maybe that will damage the relationship. Maybe they won't see you as much Mm. or maybe they just don't believe in you as much anymore so all of the principles almost all the principles that would apply to a relationship with others to yourself if you commit to doing something i'm gonna get in shape next week and start working out and then you don't do it eventually you stop believing in yourself yeah and that loss of competency it has a pretty big negative effect again Mm. one of those things that may not always be visible or apparent to you but respecting yourself if you commit honoring yourself and treating yourself with the same level of care and diligence that you would with somebody who you love or who is close to you. Which is the same thing we talked about this um, self-critic and then critic with others, right? Yes, the same duality. Thing. If I'm yeah. very critical with myself, I probably tend to be at least mentally critical with other people, mm-hmm. right? If I can't forgive myself, I will probably have a hard time forgiving other people. Um, if I can't commit myself to other people, I probably have a hard time committed to myself too. Yeah. Right. Or the opposite. Maybe I am really good with other people. So I forgive everyone else. I don't criticize anyone else. I am a people pleaser by heart. Right. So then I lose myself. Mm -hmm. And talking a little bit. So, again, going back to that idea of a relationship with yourself, if you don't ever talk to somebody, if you don't ever ask them, how's your day going? What's new in your life? What's going on with like really getting to know somebody at a deep level? If you don't do that in your own head and a lot of people don't. I was actually just uh, really? reading a really interesting study. So weird. I do that all the time. I know, me too. Maybe I couldn't it's imagine. because I'm a therapist. Yeah, most therapists, yeah. I think, are, are very, uh, they have a lot of mental mm. activity going on. So this isn't something that correlates with intelligence. No. Is, mm. is what this research has found. So I just want to point that out. I'm not talking about, you know, that you're, you're stupid if you don't do this. Mm. It truly is just a trait that some people have. And if you've ever wondered, what would be different if I could experience, you know, being 
from somebody else. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the biggest things. How they talk to themselves. Some people will be going around their house doing their chores. They're not thinking about anything. They're they're mental. Focus and doing if what they're doing. you had like a, a little microphone that could, you know, hmm. transmit their thoughts, there would be nothing happening. Hmm. They're just doing what they're doing and they're thinking about nothing. Whereas other people are. I find that impossible. I know, almost. me too. I'm thinking about what are we talking I, about on our podcast? What do I have to do with the like? I'm like, remembering I'm something. I'm thinking about the other a thing story I have to clean. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have. I, yeah. I'm having conversations in my head with someone. How my, am I going to say my this? My wife one? sometimes will notice all gesture or all mouth things because I get so <laughs> into my head, and she's like, "Who are you talking to?" Or like, "What what joke?" And, and I'll tell whatever story I was you going were thinking on in my head. Yeah, but it's so funny because some people are so in their head, like me, that they don't even notice it because it's just so so, so natural. And other people are the total opposite. They're like, what do you, like they struggle in therapy. These people tend to really struggle in therapy. Yeah, because everything is nothing. Yeah, because you, you well, ask them, I don't know. how do you feel? I don't know. What made you feel that way? I don't know. No idea. Why did you do this? I'm not sure. It, they don't know themselves. So mm. when we're talking about this, we're also talking about something as simple as, how am I feeling right now? Check in with your internal dialogue. How do yeah. I speak to myself? How do I talk to myself? Do I talk to myself? Do I yell at myself? Do I swear at myself? Am do I critical? I am I encouraging? Appray- like, do I you know, congratulate myself? Yeah. What kind of relationship do you have with yourself? Mm. What kind of person are you? And yeah. that comes from just like anybody else, just like talking to them lots and going through lots of experiences with them. Same with if, yourself. If you're not having dialogues, you're not really getting to know yourself as you go through these experiences. Maybe to some degree, because, mm. hey, I was brave. I did this really difficult thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how much did it challenge me? Why was it difficult? Do I do this often or is this new for me? Mm. Asking yourself a lot of questions and just getting really in touch with what drives you. So one more thing we also have. So we're talking a lot about how stories of our lives kind of create our personality. We've mm-hmm. talked about how we have a biological clock. Some of us, like Brian, can stay up really late. I go to sleep really early and wake up really early. Right? Yeah, I'm a morning person. You wake person. up like when I go to bed. Yeah, I'm a morning person. Um, right? And then we have motivations and we have kind of knowing our machine. There is part of a machine that many therapists and many psychologists have thought that is kind of innate. Right, that we are born, which they call a temperament. Right, so temperament is something. It's they don't not sure if it's hereditary, if it's like genetic. Right, but it's something that even babies can see differences between between babies. Right, so this extrovert quality. Right, do I gain energy right. when I'm a lot a lot of people, or does that drain my energy? So am I more of an introvert? Um, do emotions come and leave me quickly? Or do emotions mm-hmm. resonate with me for a long time? Am I prone to action or am I prone to inaction, right? These three traits are like the basis, the basic of our temperament. And those are really hard to change, if not impossible. Those are kind of how we were born. Um, yeah, there is a genetic nature a quality genetic to the quality nurture. to our temperament, right? Yeah. So the extroverts will, if they're having a hard day, will go out with friends because mm-hmm. that makes them feel good. That makes their battery recharge. They are happier that way. An introvert would probably have a nice night out with maybe one person that they can feel that they're alone with just mm-hmm. because of the closeness or just by themselves. Yeah. Um, action tendency. So a person with a lot of action tendency will probably want to do a lot of things on Saturday, have the whole day planned. Someone that's not prone to action will probably have maybe one, two things planned yeah. for that day. Um, and then resonancy of emotion, right? How long do emotions stay? Are they, stick- are they sticky or not? Yeah, 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 and which is really interesting when you see, like, in families, if you have a person with long residency and short, like yeah. my mom was really like a fire, like she, she turns on like a match, but she turns off as quickly I as a match. I was going to say, I find for sure that people who have a, they're easier to get intense. 
They would. They come down. They come down very quick. It's not as long lasting. And the people mm-hmm. who are more level, they they stick more. It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So it would take my mom a fight in my teenage years, maybe an hour to get over. It would take me a whole weekend. Oh, you're one of the people that <laughs> I, I stay. For you? Yeah, it yeah. stays. It stays. So and then I have to work through and think about it and then get the courage to talk about it. And then my mom's like, what a are you talking about? That take. happened three hours. <laughs> right. So it's. um so that also has to do with our personality and yeah. knowing, right? Do emotions stick? Do emotions go? Do I like action? Do I prefer not so much action? Yeah. And What things in relationships frustrate me? Yeah, or, temperament or too. And like. what's my partner's temperament, right? Mm-hmm. They can't change that, right? If you want your introvert to become an extrovert, oof. Probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah, I mean, and people tend to compliment, like what Carrie's talking about. Mm. You'll generally have the compliment in your yeah. partner. It's rare to find people who are the same mm. in those ways. Okay, so that's a great add-on that some of of yourself, some of us is some of your machine is is comes pre-built, pre-wired, um, like like our height and our eye color and our hair color and our mm. bone structure. There's part of us that also comes genetically. You can go to China and they can break your legs and put little screws taller. in, and oh they can add you like three inches of. Well, you can also height. change your eye color now. Really? You can change your, yeah, you can wear contact lenses. Oh, oh through contacts. Are, yeah. I thought you meant, you know, some. No, I don't know if literally, like, no. like completely, really. I was reading about an injection they were testing in the army for uh, night vision. They inject these nanoparticles and it, it turns regular light. Yeah, eye injection. Oh. Lost me. Oh. And it turns. I haven't gotten laser surgery because this is why I wear glasses. Is that why? Oh, yeah, I can't. You're just scared of it? I don't, oh. Yeah, I think I might <laughs> do it someday. Just because, you know, for golf, I need to be able to see straight. But uh, it seems like a hassle, man. I don't want lasers going in my eye. Ooh, and you see them. I have two family members that got them. Yeah, and their eyes, eyes are, are wide open. And you yeah. see this laser going like this. I'm like, no, that's just, I can't. Ugh. I'm sorry. That's that's it. Yeah, I've heard you smell burning, too. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know if, I, I haven't heard burning. But I heard, like, laser and, like, in your eye. And you see it move in your eye. You would have to. If your eye's oh, wide open, God, it's correcting no. I stuff. Can't, yeah. I can't. Well, don't let our fears dissuade you. (laughs) Make your own decision about your eyes. Make your own decision about your eyes. Okay. Well, if that's good for you, uh, I think that's everything on my list too. If you guys are enjoying our show, please consider rating us and subscribing so you don't miss new episodes. Carrie and I are in every Thursday. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back next Thursday with a topic still to be determined. Yes. I think. Okay. Thank you everybody again for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.